It's amazing. Uh, when I first went to the uh, to the renewal meetings back in 1994 in San Francisco, there was Bill. Bill was helping lead and and MC those Holy Spirit renewal meetings, and we've been we've been friends ever ever since. First, I was in awe of him. Then I got over it. But now I really, really, really appreciate him. He has, he has a lot of wisdom, and, and so some, sometimes you have to look. Uh, you have to you, you get to take the whole package, which is the humor and the wisdom and the deep spirituality all together. And he's here to equip the saints today. Are you ready? Yes. Come on up, Bill. Russ was uh, definitely in awe of me, <laughs> and um, so what happened was that then he became awesome, so that's why he got over it. So anyway, <laughs> okay. Well, my message was going to be uh, two hours. <laughs> I will now end it in a benediction. No. Um. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So I've been looking forward to this time uh, with all of you and because it's, you know, you're, you're my family. And because uh, my family is dead. They all died, and so. They're up there laughing. Having a great time, you know, so. Seriously, 10 of them, 10 of them are gone since 2002. It's just amazing. Uh, so today, I'm going to be uh, talking about um, born-again survival techniques that I've learned. So do you ever watch like the reality television? I like to watch it with, what's his name? Bear Grill, Grillis or something like that. And he's out there and he's eating spiders and lizards and things like that. And there was this, you know, he, he says you have to be very resourceful when you're out in the wilderness and you're stuck out there in the middle of nowhere. And then he picks up this frog and he goes, look at this frog. Isn't this amazing? It's absolutely beautiful. It's a delicate little creature. It lives here in this canyon. There's probably, who knows if there's more. But look at it. It's just, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> and he says, that protein will last me for, for a little while. Then he's like crawling through the woods, you know, and he comes up, you know, there's this huge spider with, you know, the, the body is as big as a tomato. And he, and he walks by and he, he grabs it and he goes, well, he said, it's kind of mushy. He talks about these grubs that are creamy. And so, um, but he's surviving. But, you know, this is what will happen if you're out there in the woods. 
it's pretty much you're going to be eating a lot of insects. And so, um, and, uh, you know, there's basic things. They're looking for water. They're looking for, you have to find water. You have to find shelter for sure. You know, food is, you can go for a long time without, without food. And then that's when you start eating the grubs. So, but um, anyway, so they have their techniques for surviving. And so I wanted to share today about some of my own favorite techniques for surviving as a born-again Christian. And I've been, you know, in ministry for 35 years. And, uh, you know, I accepted the Lord when I was like eight, eight years old. But I didn't really become conscious of it until I was like 19 years old when I received the Lord or rededicated my life in, in college. And so, um, so since then, the Lord has shown me lots of little things. And I just wanted to share a, f- a few things or a handful of things. And then I'm going to have a few people come up and share something as well for like two minutes. But I'm going to hold the mic. And so, and I have a stage hook. And so, um, no, seriously, I just want to totally bless that ministry. You know, I was in San Francisco, you know, ministering for 20 years, inner city ministry. And, and you just couldn't help but run into the homeless people. They were, they were everywhere. And what was really cool was that, they, that there's a whole sub-community there. And they all know each other. They're, they're each other's friends. And, uh, after, and I don't know, it just kind of made me more of a human being being around them rather than just tossing a quarter at them and just walking by, I would stop and I'd ask them their name. I said, what's your name? And how long have you been here or whatever? And, and then I would give them whatever I had. And so that was fun. We had this thing called the Lord's Storehouse where they could come and, you know, they would knock on the door and they says, I have a mother who's dying in Chicago and I need a one-way bus ticket or money for that. But it, I think like most of the homeless people there had someone that was dying in Chicago. And so, um, and they needed a bus ticket desperately. So I said, no, I'm not going to give you that, but we will let you come in and do some shopping. And so they would come in and and get a shopping bag full of everything that they wanted from the storehouse. That was a lot of fun. And they usually went for the mustard and the Tabasco sauce (laughs) because the food that they had to eat was, you know, boring and dull. So they were really went for the condiments. It was amazing. So, anyway, there you go. Anyway, <clears throat> so back to the survival techniques here. So, um, I, first of all, I, you know, I have to say this. You know, apart from being just really holy and anointed and amazing, when Carla worships, it's magical. Yeah, yeah she does that. Yeah. I'm always, always blessed. So anyway, so I'm just going to like dive into some of these things. It's not comprehensive. And, you know, after I read through some of these, you're going to be thinking, oh, my God, he he left out like reading the Bible, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. This is just some of the things that just came to mind that I felt that the Lord wanted me to share. It's, it's not a comprehensive list. And if you just go only by this, you'll probably lose your salvation, okay? <laughs> because it's missing some points. 
But these are just kind of a few of them that's really, really, really helped me a lot. And one of them is there's no need to be a superhero. And that, in other words, to be vulnerable and to be real and to share your struggles and to, to walk in the light, just to be honest. And I've always striven to be that as much as possible when I'm ministering and even at being an ordained minister, you know, in the city. And I just did my very best to be as real as possible. And I think for some, some people it was not a popular thing. But the thing is that if you're going to be a superhero Christian, then you're going to have to continue the act for a long time, you know, and just continue. It's, and what is that? What a tangled web we weave when at first we what practice to deceive kind of a thing. You get caught in your own web because, you know, it just becomes like that television program, uh, Faulty Towers, you know, where he's always trying to maintain a face and everything was always going wrong. So that was one of the things that I've learned is that you don't need to be a superhero. And, you know, many of you are going to be raised into, into leadership and just continue to be real. That's going to be your, your biggest weapon in interacting with people. Um, another, what? And another one is good. Okay, great. Are you in awe? So, okay. <laughs> Oh, that kind of awe. Okay. All right. Another thing that I that I found right away, um, just as as a you know as a you know coming back to the Lord, I fell I fell away, and then I was coming back to the Lord, and and that was uh, to gather, to make sure that I gathered with other Christians, regardless of how I felt. That that was a very key thing. And there are many, many times when I wanted to leave church or not be involved with other Christians, you know, not, you know, not submit myself to the, to the leadership or any of these kinds of things. But it was so important for me to, uh, to, to make sure and, and gather with the people that were believers because they could speak, they saw, a, they saw the kingdom of heaven. And I, I could see the kingdom of heaven on them, and then they would call it out uh, in me. And so, um, you know, we walk by faith and, and not, not by sight. The world walks by sight and by judgments, right, and by rejection and all of these kinds of things. And I don't know about you, but I just need, I need to be surrounded by people that, that like me and love me and, you know what I mean, and, and uh, honor me. So that's why I say that that's one been a real key thing is to make sure and continue to gather with others and not to forsake the assembly, the assembling of the righteous. That's been a real key that that was instilled in me from the, from the very beginning. And one of the things that I remember feeling was that every time I would come under a lot of spiritual attack and, and oppression and everything like that, that was not the time to forsake the fellowship. That was the time to run to fellowship because it was kind of described that the enemy, what he likes to do is he likes to separate the sheep from the herd. And so if you separate yourself from the herd while you're going through things, you're going to, you are going to get mauled and you might find yourself back into your old habits and trying to find your comfort in the things that you used to do. So that's, that was really, really 
important. And I think just recently I was just sharing with Russ, you know, I was kind of really going through some heavy things with, with family that's, that's not, they're not believers. And I told them, I said, I'm coming to church. I need to be around believers. I've got heathen poisoning. I just, you know, it's just kind of because they, there, there is a, there's a different mindset that can take you down. You know, this can, can be discouraging. And I needed to be around people that were up. In other words, they were seated in heavenly places. Yeah, I needed to be dragged back up. And it, and it really works. This other one is uh, um, chat the Lord upside the head. I like, I like that. I had a very, very good friend of mine who told me what that was. Basically, just, just talk. Uh, talk to the Lord and talk to him like you would another person that I found to be a real key thing rather than approaching him very formally. And, I, and he caught me one time many, many years ago because you learn that in church, oh, you have to be really holy. Oh, Lord, our Father, whatever. You know, and then that's how you approach the Lord and bless me, Father, you know. And so one time I was out there, I, I was, uh, I, it was my devotional time, and I'm just thinking, I'm sitting there, I'm saying, oh, Lord, I just worship you, and I just bless you, and you're seated in heavenly places, and Alpha and the Omega, and he says, what do you want? <laughs> and I just said, I feel like crap. <laughs> And it was awesome, you know, to. <laughs> Black four door Acura legend. Uh, 2RAU062 has your headlights on. And there's a Jaguar also. That one's mine. Anyway, so um <laughs> So this thing with the Lord, this thing in Psalm 139, it says, uh, it says that uh, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. So the thing is that you can actually be honest with him and just really be chatty with him. And I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just a chatterbox with the Lord. I just tell him everything, everything. Like he's just a person sitting in the room and it's awesome. I mean, it's that the Lord really responds to that reality. And the thing is that he understands our thoughts from afar. He knows that all that's in us. He knows all of it in there. And so I, I just, you know, that, that's been really, really important. It's just to chat, chat the Lord upside the head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then another one is called go, go with your flow. It says we all have seasons and we all have our own pace. But sometimes we have our ideas about other people's pace and that they need to get going, you know. They need to get, the, get your act together there. You're not going fast enough, you know? And so the thing is that we don't pay attention to them. 
pay attention to your flow before the Lord. You have your own pace. You know, I grow a lot of different plants and stuff like that on my deck. And I have this one plant that I've had for years and years and years and different plants. And they all grow at different rates. And some of them bloom uh, once a year. And some of them bloom twice a year. And some of them bloom every three years. But they, they bloom in their own time, in their own pace. And so it is with every single one of us here at church, we have, our, we have our own pace. In Ecclesiastes, it says, there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, and a time to give birth, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to go to church, and a time, when, well, take a break, time to worship, well, there's no time just to sit there and just soak it, soak it in. Do you understand? And so, you know, a time to turn on Channel 9 and just kind of tune out and tune in to TV. There's just a time for everything. We all have our flow. You know, um, I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I've lost 10, 10 family members. And so there was a period there where my flow was, I was just down in the dumps, really. And so... So I just kind of really, really took it easy. That was my, I, f I flowed with that. And so, um, so sometimes I just didn't come to church as often, or, or if I did, I just kind of sat like a lump in the back or whatever. And there were times when I, I, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll just leave. And, I, and then I just said, read point one or point two, and then gather. And so uh, I just kind of hung in there. So I just kind of, flowed with that. So we all have our flow in and out. Some people, some people, when we're grieving, you know, they're in a hurry to see us get over our grief when we're not done with our own grief. So that's that whole thing about the flow. Go with your own flow. Go with the flow that God has built into you. So that's what I've, I've learned. Uh, another one is to proactively combat fear. In Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, it says, uh, you know, to not be anxious for tomorrow. And so when I say proactively combat fear, you know, I've shared with you many times. You know, there are times when I feel okay and everything is hunky-dory. And then other times I'm feeling very anxious. And I share with you and I ask for you to pray for me. And maybe I might be a little desperate or something or down in the dumps. <clears throat> but at least I'm real with you. But my, my way of combating fear is to in, recruit other people to enter into the gap for me and, and with me. That's one way. Another way is I look in the mirror. I go in there <clears throat> in the bathroom. You know, just kind of <laughs> going through a lot of fear. You know, I sit, and I look at myself in the eye and I go, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> And it really helps. It really, it really does. That's actually one of the techniques that, that they share. And, you know, psychologists will say is to tell yourself to stop it, to stop going down that path, to stop catastrophizing. So I, I like to catastrophize, you know, everything <laughs> where the worst thing could possibly happen. And so, um, <clears throat> so my brother does the same thing. So now we tell each other. We now it's a big joke, 
and we start catastrophizing, but like we just like really exaggerating and having a lot of fun with it. But that's what that's one way of combating with it is it's just laughing. I mean, the Lord laughs at fear and he's laughing against all the things that that we think are going to take us down. And, and it's like, you know, it's like the Lord knows the future and he's not afraid. Right. So that's something that, that I've learned. Um, and then I just like to repeat to myself, it will all work out. It will all work out for good. It's going to work out for good. It's going to work out for good. I hope so. <laughs> oh. Which reminds me of a story. Our war is not against flesh and blood. I have these missionary friends, you know, and pinching their pennies and everything. And the wife, she went out and bought this dress. It was really expensive. And the husband, he said, you know, how could you do that? It's like $250 and we barely have anything. And she said, I, I saw the dress and I put it on and, I, and, and the devil was telling me that it looked fantastic. And he said, well, you know what I do in that case is that I tell the, the enemy, get thee behind me, Satan. And she said, I did. And he said that it looked great from back there, too. So... Fabulous. <laughs> um, A.W. Tozer, I believe he wrote this book on tyranny of the urgent. Was that him that wrote that? Tyranny of the urgent. And so uh, um, this thing is like stop and uh, I, I say here, stop and smell the roses. Stop and smell the ocean. Stop and smell the pine trees. And play. And turn that cell phone off when you go out. Turn it off and turn the answering machine off. One of the things that I learned, if I really want to take some time off, is to either turn the answering machine off or lower the volume and cover the little LED that says how many messages are pending. Seriously, I challenge you to do this. I challenge you to take a day off and turn this thing off. Turn it off. You can keep it with you just in case you snap an ankle and you need to call 911 <laughs> when you're hiking. So, or you're ravaged by an animal or something, you know. But... Turn it off, okay? You're going you're gonna to discover how dependent you are on this thing. You're going to discover how difficult it is to lower the volume on that answering machine. But if you can get through it, you're going to feel like a million dollars. You're going to feel really relaxed. And you're going to realize that all, all that stuff that seems so urgent wasn't as, as urgent. 
you can make an appointment. I mean, what did we do, you know, uh, 30 years ago, you know, or 40 or 50, 60 years ago? What did we used to do? There were no answering machines. There were no cell phones. Must have been really wonderful <laughs> 60 years ago. By the way, you know, I just turned 61, and... Um, And there was this kid, and I went over to him. I said, just to say hello, I says, hey there, how's it going, old man? And he looked at me and says, I'm not the one that's old. <laughs> Shut up, kid. So, um, so I, I say, do, you know, uh, develop or find a few confidants. In other words, find one or two people or a couple of people, a few people that you can really be honest with and share with, where you can be really, really real with. You can tell nasty jokes with them if you wanted to. And, um, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> if you both are doing it all the time, there's something wrong. But anyway, <laughs> or maybe you're just having a lot of fun. Anyway, so... But to develop confidence, that's what I found is really important. Um, you know, because uh, uh, you, can, you can share with 10 different people, but that's not intimacy, really. You're just sharing with a lot of people and just spreading yourself thin. But to find a couple of people that really know you and walk with you, and the Lord will bring those people to you, those companions. And, and, and maybe, maybe you might have difficulty in being open, so I just tell people, then hire one. Hire a confidant. Go get a counselor. Seriously. And there's some really good counselors out there that you can sit down and you're talking to them and you're practicing intimacy with them and it gets you used to the idea of talking about your stuff and then you find yourself developing friends outside and saving a lot of money. Okay. Another one is to uh, um, is to forgive. Uh, that's another thing that I found was really important at the very beginning. A powerful weapon to bless and to let go. To actually bless people and and let them go. And I've had people that have done me wrong, and oh yes, I'd just be boy, would I be upset, you know? And it's just eating away, and I just really want to hit them with a brick <laughs> and just keep hitting them with a brick or something where they just, you know, it just gets my goat. And so I just have to stop. Every once in a while, I'll remember, I'll say, I forgive this person, and I release them. I bless them, and I release them. And I found that to be a very helpful thing so that you can move on rather than being stuck in the past. Because if you're always stuck in the past and always angry for something that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, that's basically you're kind of in a perpetual regression. In other words, you're not growing. You're basically retarded in a way, kind of uh, emotionally, spiritually kind of retarded. Seriously. Your, your growth is stunted. Like... If they took out like heavenly glasses and they looked at you, you'd be this small. You'd be like a shrimp because you're stuck back there. You didn't let yourself grow, right? Who wants to grow? All right, yeah. Then forgive. 
Just do your best. Just do it over and over. And, you know, forgiveness means, doesn't necessarily mean that the other person will ever change. But forgiveness is about your heart changing, right? You can change your heart. You have control over your heart. So that's what I've discovered. I can control what's in my heart and stop being so darn mad at that person and just move on and enjoy my life. Uh, be a great uh, receiver of forgiveness. So that's, that's a hard one. So, you know, I, you know in, my, in my years, I've certainly made a lot of mistakes, and we all know our mistakes. And uh, we know some of the mistakes that might be consistent over and over and over again in our lives. And the Lord says, move on, I forgive you. Just get up and keep on going. But, Lord, I just move on and keep on going. I just want you to keep on going forward. Stop focusing in on that that's in the past. I bless you. I love you. Keep on going forward and don't stop. So that's what I mean. And so you have to receive that. You have to take that in. You must forgive yourself. You must receive the forgiveness he gives you. So that I found that that's really important. And that uh, is a talent. That is a talent that you develop. I call it a talent because it's, it really is. It's a skill that you learn how to receive forgiveness and walk, walk in it. And so uh, when you don't, uh, I guess you could call it resistance. Because if you're stuck in, in, in hating yourself and these kinds of things, for whatever reason, you're, you're being resistant to growth. So... Um, in John uh, 13, you know, Jesus is washing uh, the disciples' feet. He's washing Peter's feet. And Peter says, don't wash my feet. He says, I have to do this. He says, um, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So one of the things that the Lord does is he actually comes to us and he washes our feet. That the Lord, that's something the Lord showed me. He says, he, he serves us. It's like he comes to us as a servant and serves up. He serves up love and compassion and cleansing and healing. And so I said, I need, I need to take it. I need to receive it. And I remember before, uh, years ago, I just didn't want to take the forgiveness because I was thinking, if I do that, then poor Jesus. I mean, he died on the cross, and that's another nail in his hand or another slap in the face because of me. And he says, this has got to be done, you know. By my stripes, you are healed. You know. Uh, let me see. I can't, I can't read this. <clears throat> old goat. Old goat eyes. Uh, let me see. Um, be a good listener. So when I say be a good listener, listen to God. So you can talk to the Lord, chat the Lord, upside the head and just get, just dump and dump and dump and dump. But really this is kind of what the like contemplative, uh, fathers use would do, you know, uh, monks and stuff like that and nuns and nunneries and whatnot. And so they do this thing of you, you open up and you release what's inside and then you come to a place of silence and then you stop and listen to what the Lord says. It's in a way what you're doing is you're giving him the junk and then he's returning back to you something beautiful. 
it's kind of like a little sozo session with the Lord. Do you know what I mean? So I found that being a good listener with him is important. Also being a good listener of other people. In 1 Corinthians, it says love is patient. So listen to other people. Listen to what they have to say. Let them tell their story. And I think that that I found that that to be really, really important is people have a story to tell. And sometimes uh, people will share all their issues and stuff and they don't really want to be fixed. They just want to be heard. It's like I, I share with people, you know, uh, it doesn't happen that much anymore. But I'll share with people, oh, you know, I'm going through this thing with the I have this anxiety over the situation. It says, well, you know. I hear what you're saying, you know, that's terrible. You're going through that. And, you know, you should like, the Bible says, you know, don't be anxious for tomorrow and whatever and all that kind of stuff. And I was just kind of going, oh, God, you know, it's just, I said, I said, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know that. I just, I just, I just want you to just to pat me on the head. I just need some warm fuzzies right now. That's all. That's why I'm sharing this. Just, I just need someone just to, just to hold my hand and say, there, 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 you know? Because eventually they're going to need that too. So we all need to do that to each other. We all need to go there, there. Do it to each other. Go to there, 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 there. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, so... <laughs> And that's what a lot of listening is about, you know, to be a comforter. Um, another one is uh, don't be too quick to, to run away or to blow out and reject. And I think, you know, it's just kind of, I think that says it right there. You know, there have been many times when I wanted to just to bolt out the door and just leave forever, you know, and just just go and just have a big blowout, but resist it, count to 10 and resist it. Very, very important. And there, and I've been in those situations where I, where I wanted to bolt and blow out and just, and I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm so glad that I just, you know, um, held my breath and, and, and didn't, didn't do it. There's one thing that, you know, I discovered is that all of us, we have, I call it an ace. You're in a fight with somebody and you have this ace card and you can just lay it down and you can win the war, right? Maybe something ugly about them that you know or something, or you pull rank on them. I'm your boss. You will do what I, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and you play the ace card and you win the battle, but you lost the relationship. It says, the uh, a brother offended is is harder to be won than the bars of a castle. So, and it could take a long time to remend that relationship. Never play the ace card. That's what I've learned. I said, just don't play it. It's not worth it. It's it's a it's a it's a false power. It's a power, but it's it, it there's a false satisfaction that you get out of that thing. So don't, don't do it, even though you can. Even though you can bang them over the head, don't do it. Resist. Um, 
which kind of flows into this next one about let your words be seasoned with grace. It talks about that in Colossians 4, 6. So there's a right way to be right and a wrong way to be right. And there's a, there's a timing for everything. And then also, too, uh, I've seen people who are subordinates, you know, like, let's say, in a job situation, and then they're telling their boss off. In other words, they're, they're speaking out of turn. They're speaking outside of their sphere of influence by doing that. And I tell people to, you know, the, the Lord, you might actually see everything. Uh, you might actually uh, understand or have the truth about a situation and, and what's going on in a person's life. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to say anything or do anything about it. And then you have to be really, really careful. So it's, ta- it's, it's about being circumspect. In other words, just kind of reviewing everything that's around you and, and just seeing what would happen if I were to say this and where is this person coming from and what's going on in this person's life. That takes patience. And that takes becoming seasoned over time. So I found that that's really important to be really careful and to be gracious when you're talking to people. And, uh, and this whole thing of you don't need to win the battle and you don't need to show people that you're smarter than others. But if you find yourself struggling with that, you might have some rejection issues, some judgment issues or something like that, the in judgments that are on you or, you know, wounds from the past. And that's why you feel, you might feel like you always need to win the argument or show people how smart you are or whatever. But you know, one of the things that the Lord showed me, he said, he said, you know what? I don't have to prove anything. You know, it's, it's evident, you know, that I'm all powerful and I'm the Lord and I created everything. I I don't need to be spectacular. And so neither do you. Neither, neither do we don't need to be overwhelm people with our spectacularness, you know, but just to be, be a gentle soul with people. Um, so it's nine o'clock and so the parents need to go and pick up their children and I will continue. And so I'm, I'm going to call some, uh, I ask a couple of people to come up and share a few things, um, some, some of their survival tips and hints, and I'd like you to come on up right now. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Were you going to come up with you? Another one is uh, ministering to others, um, I found is really important. You know, it's like the Lord has put a lot of forgiveness and a lot of blessing into our life and a lot of anointing. And I, fo- I found that I, I, I feel happier or happiest when I'm giving it away. I, I just feel happier. I feel lighter after I've ministered to and blessed other people. And I think part of that, part of that what it does is it, touches our, our ego because we all want to be loving people. We all, all want to be seen as loving. And so when we are loving, it builds us up, but it builds other people up as well. So I found that that's really important is to, is to minister to others and to, um, to get, give away uh, by prayer, by uh, 
by giving, by blessing, through helps, through whatever it is, giving away, you know, whatever anointing we have in our lives. I think that that's, that's been really, really important. And of course, I didn't mention the Holy Spirit, and, but uh, that's an obvious one. I said, you know, always go for the Holy Spirit and st stay where the, where the fire is and people that are filled with the Holy Spirit hang around them. And then it, it sometimes it's great to hang around with the goofiest people that where the Lord is really visiting them. And so, um, so I like this. Another thing that I've done to survive my Christianity. So we're just going to go down the line. Each one has like two minutes and I'm not letting go of the microphone. Okay, so uh, a few things are uh, loving people right where they're at. And that's taken some time for me to get to. But um, the example is uh, St. Francis of Assisi is quoted as, I'm called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and when necessary, use words. Okay, and another one is um, don't judge a book by its cover. We've all heard that to some degree. Um, or like we tear chapters out that we only like and forget the rest. We have no idea what's between the covers, okay? So it's an opportunity. We don't want to miss the opportunity. We want to hit the opportunity, okay? And uh, the last one, Daddy, You Love Me. We've all heard that uh, book written by our pastor, Brent. Now, I grew up in the church, and he was the first pastor ever to genuinely love me. He didn't look at what the title of the current title was when I walked in. He opened through the Lord and the leading of the Holy Spirit to genuinely love me. Looking, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but really investing and pouring in. So those are a couple tips. Thank you very much. Okay. Wow, that was good. Well, my thing is that <laughs> I would say uh, don't put too much heart to what people say about you. Always know what God says about you. That's more important. And especially when you're having difficulties about identity, mm. he thinks a whole lot of good for you. Another thing is believe what God has promised is going to come true. And believe we know that we have an enemy that wants to take us out. And so he uses our mind to tell us things that are not of God. So at that point... You begin to partner with the truth of what God's word says about you. Um, that's a really important one because that's the only way that you can fight the enemy, believing what God says all the time. Thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs> really? I, I don't get to hold it? <gasps> I do. Look at that. Woo. And I might just move in this direction, too. Um, my answer is a little, a little different than, than what other people are sharing. It's, it's always all about me. But um, one thing that I do, well, a couple things that I do to keep myself um, grounded and present and sane is to spend time out in nature. Um, yeah, I heard that. I don't know who said it, but yeah. Um, spending time out in nature. Being at the ocean and just listening to the to the ocean crash on onto the shore, or um, sitting by a wildly rushing river. Yes, I use my hands when I talk. Um, 
what else? Trees. Oh my God. Being surrounded by trees and just listening to, um, listening to the wind rustle the leaves and, um, whistle through the, through the branches. And there's one thing that, that's my absolute favorite that really keeps me present with God, that keeps me refreshed and, um, now, it doesn't happen only there, but most especially when I'm in Yosemite. I like to walk, it's not a hike, walk the path to um, Lower Yosemite Falls early in the morning before before the crowds arrive. And just standing there before the um, the, the lower falls, being kind of beaten about by the wind that's generated by the, the, um, the flowing of the falls. Oh, my gosh. For me... I don't know. It, it provides a, a place of release. I stand there. I yell. I scream. I cry. I praise God. And um, I just begin to feel just the, the weight and the, the weight and the yuck of just everyday life begin to blow off me. And ah, so, okay, there's one more thing. You mentioned playing. Swinging. Oh, my God, I love, I'm sorry, can I say, oh, my God? I love swinging. That wakes me up, and, and that, too, reconnects me with God because I feel like I'm flying, and I'm right there in his presence, and it's like, yay, hey, Jesus. Awesome, thank you. Yes. Yeah. He's trusting me. Um, I just have a, I have a relational and marital survival tip Susan and I are, have a wonderful relationship we have for several, actually about 17 years of our 34-year marriage. About half now. We're in, we're in, and, um, but when things were rough, sometimes I would remind myself that Jesus said, love your enemies. <laughs> and, and, and Susan was never my enemy, okay? Don't, don't, don't ever tell her back that this is, I said, you know, but... But if, I, if he's asking me to love my enemies, how much more is he asking me to love my spouse or, or somebody else in my life who I'm having trouble with? So it was kind of like, you know, a splash of, of cold water in the morning, like, whoa, okay, I can't let myself go there. So that's a freebie for you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You can all have a seat. Thank you. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So um, <clears throat> I think like the last point is like thankfulness is to be really thankful for everything, for every little thing and not to forget to be thankful about even the smallest things. Like sometimes I'll thank the Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. I'm getting in a wreck tonight after seeing three or four of them in Oakland on the way home. Little thing. That's not a Big, that's not a little thing. That's a big thing. But I thank the Lord for things like that. Or I would thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this, this flower that's coming up here in my garden or whatever. Thank you for the big, giant rosemary bush that's back there. Thank you, Lord, for, thank you, Lord, for these, these sheets that I found on sale. You know, that kind of just lots of every little thing. You know, thank you, Lord, that I could pay my bills. That, that kind of a thing. And even I remember one time I was going through uh, Living Hell and Back. This is many years ago. 
And so I decided to go out to a meadow out in the wilderness, and I was laying on the top of this hill, laying on my back and just being miserable and looking at the sky, the blue sky, and the, 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 the wind was blowing in the green grass. And, and I just started thanking the Lord. I said, thank you, Lord, for... Thank you, Father, for gravity. Because if... <laughs> I said, if it wasn't for gravity, I would fly off the handle. I would not be here on earth. I, w I would float away because I just don't want to be here so that at least the gravity is holding me to earth. That your grip is holding me. It's like his grip was holding me, really. It was kind of like what I was experiencing in the natural. There was kind of a metaphor for what was really going on in the spirit was that I really felt the Lord holding me together in spite of what I was going through. And I was really thankful for that. And the thing is that, uh, you know, he, bring, he brings us back, you know, all, all the time. And um, uh, I, I find that uh, extreme behaviors over time diminish anyway. So we could... I mean, we could go all over the place. I mean, we could make a lot of mistakes and stuff, but eventually it says that the Holy Spirit resists the flesh, and it really does, that as time goes on, things diminish. It's, it's the grip of the Lord holding on to us that never, never lets us go, and I'm really thankful for that. It's kind of like the bungee. It's like we, ha we don't have an umbilical cord attached to the Lord. We have a bungee cord, right? And sometimes we bounce away, boring, and then we come back, right? Sometimes we fall down, you know, and we barely hit the flames and then we come up and we bounce back up and he brings us closer to him. Or, uh, you know, a comet, you know what a comet is. So they go around the sun, but it, it could take them, you know, thousands of years or hundreds of years or whatever. And they go way far, far away, extremely far away from the sun. And then they come really close to the sun. And far, far, far away, and they come closer to the sun. And that's us, a lot of us. But we're orbiting, we're caught, we're caught in the gravity of God's presence. And as time goes on, eventually that comet gets closer and closer, and, it will, and uh, many times it will plunge, it won't plunge into Jupiter, it will plunge into the, into the sun, and, it, and is absorbed, and that's us. We are eventually absorbed. And so um, I want to rest. Could you do me a favor? Can you give this to, to Matt? And he'll know what to do with it. So I, I found that... Um, that uh, uh, um, that I'm not going to be lost. That's what I've discovered. And that even when I thought I'd get lost, I discovered that I'm not going to get lost. Uh, I remember when my, my family was dying and I was just falling apart. I remember I was telling Brent, I said, Brent, I, I almost feel like I'm going to, I'm just going to lose it. I'm going to fall apart. And he, and he assured me, he says, no, you're not going to fall apart. And I said, you know, you're right. I'm not, I'm not going to lose it. You know, because God's holding me. So the Lord can hold all the conflict and the pain and the sorrow and the difficulty and the inconsistencies and these kinds of things. This is what I've discovered about the Lord. 
And I remember the last time I shared, um, I shared about, um, about the Lord not being, he, he can't be dirtied. You know, he'll pick us up dirty diapers and all because he has a Teflon anointing. He can't. And so, and so that's, that's the way it is. That's what, that's what I've discovered, uh, with him in, in, in my walk. And I think it's just very amazing that, you know, I, I don't know, I, I've become de, de-Christianized or de-religiousized or, or whatever. And that's what, that's where you're headed. That's the direction you're, you're going in, becoming comfortable. Uh, uh, you know, with your walk and that, and what that turns into, it turns into compassion and love and more wanting to reach out and, and to build community and all this, these kinds of things. So right now what I want to do is we're going to be, we're going to soak to some music and this music is, um, from Kemper Crab and Kemper Crab is a musician who I guess he started emerging in the seventies beautiful music and you're just going to really love his his songs he is uh an episcopal priest in in houston and so uh it would be wonderful if he could come out to this area but we're going to soak to some songs and uh there's one song that that's going to be ending on um it's called uh ferris lord jesus and uh, and that when when that comes on, I would like for all all of you to stand and to worship the Lord. But for right now, I want you all to assume the position you're going to receive from the Lord. Close your eyes and just relax and just relax. And so, so here comes the music. Failed 
Why don't we stand? Just worship.
Whoa. Can you feel that? Whoa. Whoa. Thank you, Father. Father, I ask, Lord, just for that spirit of endurance on each person that you would just put it on them to endure and to stay on the path and to not look to the right or to the left. Holy Spirit, come and just touch each one and fill each one with encouragement. I just hear the Lord saying, I am so happy with you. I am happy with every single one of you. You make me happy. (laughs) You make me laugh. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You give me pleasure. I just see stuff just flying off of you guys. It's just like just falling, falling off, just coming off of you. Burdens, stuff. Whoa. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, I just see it's like the Lord's just kind of giving you guys like like a like a substance. It looks like honey or something. This this big drink, just take it. Just take it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> Am- ambrosia from heaven. Whoa! <laughs> Shoo! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I just really feel like you guys got like a real impartation, just kind of like the extra boost. You know, like when you when you go to the doctors and they give you like an I- immune shot, you know, or something like that. They said, this is good for another 20 years. Well, th- this is good for the rest of your life, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Whoa. I'm going to have some uh, ministry people come on up. I don't know who's available. Uh, the ministry team to come on up and then they'll pray for you and bless you and do whatever it is that the Lord wants to do for you. So, and any of the people that spoke, if you want to come on up and help pray, please do so. And um, anyway, so that concludes the talk. All right, thank you.